To sign up for prizes, go on over to the I Need a Miracle page at deadairradio.org. You can also listen to previous interviews on the page titled Soundboards. Hey, this is Jay Blakesburg, and I live in San Francisco, California. And I have a new book out called Jerry Garcia's Secret Space of Dreams. My new book is a 208-page hardcover coffee table book, and it's got a bunch of photographs that I've taken of Jerry since I first started shooting The Grateful Dead in 1978, all the way up till 1995 when we lost Jerry. And also sprinkled throughout the book are a whole bunch of really great quotes from members of The Grateful Dead, Bob, Phil, Mickey, Billy. We found a bunch of great quotes that came from Jerry that we sprinkled throughout the book. A whole bunch of great quotes also from all sorts of people like O'Teal Burbridge and Jeff Comenti and Jackie Green and Warren Haynes and John Mayer and Neil Casal and just a whole bunch of really great musicians. One of my favorite quotes in the book is by Luther Dickinson. The first generation of psychedelic music pioneers grew up beatniks. When you listen to the radio for stories about cowboys and outlaws and search for Boogie Woogie, Dixieland, Gypsy Jazz, country, gospel, and blues, for a hint of the incoming rock and roll zeitgeist they all felt brewing. These influences were seeds these early heads cultivated and cross-pollinated with reefer, psychedelics, and rebellion to invent an artful way of life that changed the world forever. Writers like Hunter and Dylan have a way with words that will never Never be matched. You hear all the influences that rock and roll and jazz were built upon in Garcia's melodies. First generation, undiluted and polluted only by his taste and poison. We are left to learn from our elders what they learned from theirs. We get to indulge in the gumbo of our fathers, but the fathers knew what it all tasted like in the Garden of Eden before the apple fell so far from the tree. The forward was written by John Mayer. I didn't ask John Mayer to write me a forward like he was an authority on The Grateful Dead or Jerry Garcia or that, you know, he has ever saw Jerry Garcia. I asked him to write it because he is an incredible guitar player and he also just so happens to be in that slot with Dead Co. right now. And so I asked him to approach that forward like he is a guitar player. And that's what he did. And he wrote an incredible forward. And then Dave Schools from Widespread Panic wrote an incredible afterward. Dave's a big deadhead. Saw the band many, many times. And uh, David Gans wrote the introduction. David, who's the host of Tales from the Golden Road on Sirius XM Grateful Dead channel, as well as an incredible musician and Grateful Dead historian. And lastly, we had Trixie Garcia, Jerry's daughter, write a really nice essay that is um, in the middle of the book. So that's basically what you get when you open up Jerry Garcia's Secret Space of Dreams. The Grateful Dead were not about smoke and mirrors and pyrotechnics and, you know, things like that. They were about making music, but the music would reach these peaks over and over again throughout the show, and the body language of that band showed those peaks, you know, whether it was, you know, Phil dropping a big bass bomb and, you know, fist up in the air, or Bobby, you know, flipping his head back and lifting his leg, or, or you know, even Jerry, you know, flourishing with his hand in the air while screaming into the microphone. So, you know, there were a lot of peak moments that could be captured with these guys that created a really nice 
intensity that was able to be photographed and showed these guys in that light of being, you know, what I consider rock stars. I had, I think, um, four or five opportunities to be one-on-one -on -one with Garcia. The first one was in January of 1991 when I was asked to do a portrait of Garcia and Hunter for a feature story that was in the Golden Road magazine. And the Golden Road was a Grateful Dead fanzine that was published out of the Bay Area by longtime Grateful Dead journalist, historian Blair Jackson. And uh, Blair was interviewing Hunter and Garcia together and asked me if I wanted to do the photographs. And I thought that would be amazing because I had never done a portrait of Garcia at that point, one-on-one, -on -one, in a formal setting. Because, you know, I had done like a quick couple of candidates of him on the Throwing Stones video in 1987 where he's wearing that top hat. And there's another one where he's not even in his costume yet, but just sort of hanging out and got a couple of good shots of him doing that. So I went to the Grateful Dead office in 91 to do this shoot. I was expecting, you know, I'll spend a half an hour with these guys and I'll do this, try this type of lighting and that type of lighting and this type of film and that type of film and 35 millimeter camera, two and a quarter, you know, medium format camera and color and black and white. And, you know, and I got there and they gave me three minutes. Now I barely got two rolls of film shot, but I still got what is, you know, considered one of my most iconic photos of Garcia and includes one of the shots that's on the cover of this book is from that session in January of 91. In December of 92, I did a little story for Rolling Stone magazine and I was, you know, like a little green room backstage, so to speak, in the gallery, probably really the gallery office. I was just sort of doing photos, somewhat candid, but, you know, got his attention a few times. And while he sat around and told tall tales about making artwork and whatever other questions the journalists were throwing at him. And then in 93, I did a shoot with him in Grisman, David Grisman, in David Grisman's living room in Mill Valley for the cover of Acoustic Guitar Magazine. And at this point, I realized that, you know, the best way to get Garcia to pay attention to you and actually sit there and let you photograph him was to just let him play guitar. If he felt like he was just sitting there, he hated it. Most musicians that have been doing this since they're 17 years old in the 1960s are over the act of the photo shoot. So they've been there, they've done that. And whereas me as the photographer walking in, I want to make the best photograph I possibly can. So I'm challenged with you know two minutes or four minutes or eight minutes or 10 minutes to get a shot of a reluctant subject who doesn't really want to do something. So at the 93 shoot with Grisman, in his living room, we gave Garcia a guitar and he just started playing and he just sat there for 45 minutes playing. And he was with Grisman and because they're both on the cover shot and Grisman's playing mandolin and Garcia's playing acoustic guitar and they're singing songs and I keep saying to Garcia, Jerry, Jerry, stop singing because your mouth is going to look all funny in the photo because this is a cover of a magazine. I'm like, just hum the song in your head. I'm like the only guy that probably has ever told Garcia to stop singing.
I'm like in a living room with me, the writer, my assistant. I don't even know if anybody else was there, you know, and we're getting this like 45 minute private concert with Garcia and Grisman. And I'm telling Jerry to stop singing because your mouth is going to look funny. Pretty amazing moment. It's just a waiting game, waiting for those moments and being ready for them. Because essentially, you know, we are capturing lightning in a bottle, right? When you're doing photography of a band on stage, you're at the mercy of a whole bunch of different things, you know, your position and where you could get to or can't get to. You know, in the early days, a lot of these photographs, I wasn't in the pit. There was no pit. I was just a fan in the audience with a camera. And so I couldn't move two feet to the right or, you know, four feet to the left. So you were, you were, how to be, you know, wait for what you could get in your spot. You had to wait for the lights to be in the right space. And if you didn't have good light, you couldn't take a good photograph. And you had to wait for that peak moment. You had to be ready for it. You had to be anticipating that play. You had to anticipate that move that was about to happen and be on your tiptoes and ready to capture in a split second. The way that photos live today is very different than how they lived back then when we shot film and there was no social media, there was no Instagram, there was no Instagratification of getting stuff out and posting it for the world to see, to see how cool you were because you were you know, on location with Jerry Garcia or whoever. So we would shoot something and deliver it to our client, whoever it was, and then it would you know, sit in your archives until somebody else was like, hey, I'm doing a story on The Grateful Dead and we're looking for a great shot of Jerry to put on the cover of our magazine. What do you got? And then we'd send them a bunch of proof sheets or 8 by 10 prints. And then they say, oh, this is a great one. This works. Can you send me a bigger print? And we'd make them a bigger print, you know. But nowadays, of course, we just transfer digital files everywhere. The life and the travels of a photograph back then was a very, very different trajectory than it is today. Luckily, I was very good at keeping track of all of my work and have almost everything that I shot and all my negatives and slides. And now with digital technology, I'm able to scan that and, uh, and create new things like a book. It only becomes a book when it's really worthy of a project like that. A book is not like a passing fancy, like posting a gallery of 10 photos on Instagram, right? I think that people like to hold books in their hands, right? It's a tangible thing, right? It's, a, it's not just something you're looking at a, a computer screen on social media. It's not a fleeting moment. It's something that you can actually sit in a chair, hold in your hands, and sort of get into a little bit deeper than a digital file on a computer screen that's been copied over 400 times and is so low res at this point that all you're seeing is pixels, you know, as opposed to the real image. And so over time, as these people that I photographed 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago become more iconic. And as we all get older and people want to experience that collection of images, I feel like it can become a book or it can become a series or it can become a project that can be shared in that form. I mean, you know, it takes, it takes a year to make a book, you know, it's not a, and that's if you have all the material already. Mm -hmm. 
in essence, that Garcia book took 41 years to make because it's coming out in 2019, and I took my first photo of the Grateful Dead in 1978, which is in the book. Really, you know, it's a 41 years in the making. And not everything that I took 40 years ago or even 30 years ago or 20 years ago is book-worthy. I mean, I'd like to think that I've got dozens and dozens of books left in me, but I don't think that's the case. But I do feel like I still have a few really interesting books that I could put together. And um, got some ideas and, you know, working out some details um, to tell that story to give it to a fan to, of the music and a fan of my work and let it resonate with them. Let them, let it inspire them. Because everything that we do that we see that's creative hopefully inspires us, maybe makes us passionate about wanting to go out and make a book or take a photograph or write a song or write a novel or, you know, dance in public. Do, do you know what I mean? And, you know, whatever it might be, right? To me, it's a cycle of inspiration and passion. And if you don't have those things to inspire you to become passionate about, then you're not going to try and make new things or create new projects or take risks and become an artist or whatever it is that I am and try and share that work with the world because that's I don't want my photos just to sit in a box and for nobody to, to see them. I want them to experience them and breathe them in and let those images remind them of a great time in their life, a great show, a place where they met their girlfriend or their wife or boyfriend or husband or reconnected with an old friend or had an uh, epiphany or decided at that moment while on good drugs that they wanted to change careers or whatever it is. And they look at that photograph and it brings them back to that time and place that was really important to them. Because most of the people that are buying my books and the people that are listening to me speak and enjoying my photography on social media are people that are really into live music and are into having that experience of being at a live music event where you're just like, deep in it with all of your people and you know when we know who our people are we're in it a little bit differently and and the experience that we get out of that is different i'm 57 years old and been around the block and um you know i've interacted with a lot of people and the only way you're going to get where you want to go is to work as hard as you possibly can and, and you know, follow that dream and follow, you know, look for the inspiration and, and be passionate about it and create work that you love. Whether or not it's any good, it's irrelevant. If you, if you love it, keep doing it. For more interviews, slide on over to our website, deadairradio.org. You can also leave us a message by going to the feedback page. That's all at the website, deadairradio.org.